0: Paul's letter to Timothy, 1st Timothy. And if you're visiting with us, we just began a new series in 1st Timothy. We're in still in chapter 1. Children, here are your questions for this morning. First, why did Paul need forgiveness from God? Two, what does Paul say Jesus came to do? Three, why is it important for everyone to know they are sinners? And four, why is it important that sinners hear about Jesus? 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 12, and this is the word of God. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be glory and be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. There is a reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the power of it we thank you for the truth of it and we pray that through the humble means that you've ordained the preaching of your word that your power and your truth would go forth and penetrate each one of our hearts Lord, we know that this is only possible because your word is living and your holy spirit is at work and so lord we pray that you would work in us what's pleasing in your sight grant a special measure of your spirit to the preacher And to all of us who will hear this morning, as we come to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. If I were to tell you that I am the worst sinner that I know, would you believe me? I'm not asking for a show of hands. Would you argue with me? Would you try to minimize the fact that I'm a sinner? Or would you try to stake that claim for yourself and say, no, I'm the worst sinner that I know? I guess it's all a matter of perspective, but perspective is critical. It's so important for believers to see themselves the right way. It's so important for us to remember who we were outside of Christ, who we are now in Christ. It's so critical that we have the right perspective on ourselves. It's very critical that unbelievers learn to see themselves as sinners in order that they might see their need for the Savior. This morning, I want to primarily address a body of believers who understands the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, but who can never forget who we are. need to remember that outside of christ in our natural depravity our condition warranted god's wrath but in christ jesus in his mercy we've been gloriously redeemed new creatures in the lord jesus christ and yet at the very same time we can never forget that we are still sinners redeemed for sure in christ but still sinners dealing with indwelling sin paul helps us to do that this morning i've already mentioned the word sin a number of times and someone might say you preach if you're not used to our church might say you preach sin in your church you preach about sin in your church remember reading of one church that said you won't hear much about sin in our church But a church that's unwilling to preach about sin, at least sin as the way the Bible defines it, is actually a deadly church. It does no one any good. It doesn't help the unconverted sinner. It doesn't even help the converted sinner. Sin is a real live issue. We need to see our need. For a Savior, we need to see the Savior. We need to know that there's hope for us even in our current struggle with sin. Paul has just addressed in his letter, and he's encouraging Timothy in his call to watch over the church of Ephesus, to manage the church in Ephesus. He's just come off of reminding him that there are false teachers in the church that need to be rebuked, need to be dealt with. These false teachers are actually using the law as to leverage their position, actually deceiving people. Paul reminds them, Paul reminds Timothy and us through reading of it, that the law really is to, first of all, convict of sin. Paul mentions a number of conditions that are in direct violation of the Ten Commandments. That was what we covered last week. The law was for the godless. But now Paul tells a little bit of his own story. And it may sound incredible to some ears, especially coming from a Pharisee, but Paul includes himself in the rank of gross, wretched sinners. Paul sees himself that way. He throws himself in with the whole lot of sinners. This is one man's story of the grace of god in his life and the components of his story are components that all true testimonies in christ have i was this but i became this and now i am this paul i paul now writing to you as an apostle of jesus christ I'm here to tell you that I am the worst sinner I know. I am the worst sinner I know. It's a funny thing about saying you're the worst sinner you know because it's effectually the same thing as saying I'm the best sinner I know. I'm the chief sinner. I'm I'm really good at being a sinner. And so whether Paul is saying, I'm the worst, worst sinner or the best, best sinner, it amounts to the same thing. I'm a sinner. And Paul's not being melodramatic. He's not being falsely, humbly saying, no, I am. I am a wretched sinner. I'm not what I was, but I am a wretched sinner. We'll see how that pans out in just a few moments. But here's Paul writing to Timothy and others who would at least know of him, you know me. But let me remind you and your readers and sinners everywhere who I was and what God can do in the life of a sinner. Who I was. In many ways, Paul was, at least in his own mind and certainly in the mind of others, exemplary. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. His pedigree was impeccable. His life was impeccable as far as the law was concerned. But he's about to show us how his genealogy, if you remember one of the false teachings is they get hung up on these genealogies. He's going to show how his genealogy was actually amounted to nothing after all. He's going to show how his greatest efforts of keeping the law was all vanity, in fact, ended up being dung after all. Going to show that salvation by generation after generation and salvation by ethnicity and salvation by keeping the law is, after all, a myth. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 1 Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is of no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Stop right there. That's in his mind, or at least in his former mind, those are all good things. Those are all great things. But what everybody needed to understand, and what Paul needed to understand, that he was really a bad guy. You see, back then, he didn't see himself for who he was, and until he was confronted by Christ, he thought those were all good things. Verse 7, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I, might fa- that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. All of that righteousness, all of his efforts, all those things that he thought were so good in the sight of God, so acceptable in the sight of God, not only ended up being worthless, they were actually offensive in the eyes of God. Paul is saying that he was an absolutely wretched sinner. It may not be what we might think about as a wretched sinner, typically. We might think of the list that Paul just gave earlier. We might think of the drug addict, the drunkard, the prostitute, the thief. All those things, but Paul's issue was somewhat different. His problem was this pursuit of self-righteousness and his own efforts, but he realized that that was all wretched depravity. And he's come to realize that those were wicked Things. Back in our passage, though formerly, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. That's just part of his list. But Paul looks back and says, I was trying to please God my own way, but I realized, all in all, I was blaspheming God. And the thing that we need to note there is that he was going after christians he was going after christ's people which was equivalent to going after christ himself so in his mind now in his new mind that blasphemy has to do with discrediting christ in other words saying christ is the second person of the trinity who took on flesh you can't blaspheme a human being you blaspheme god he was a blasphemer he was persecuting the church he was opposed to everything that had to do with the gospel. But he didn't see it at the time. But his sin was raw. And what's interesting to me, we really don't want to know or remember what some people were like in the past. I remember one time, mentioning my own rebellious past without going into too much detail but it wasn't good it was bad and someone came up to me and said pastor i can't imagine you ever being that way we don't really want to see that we don't really want to know that and we certainly we certainly don't want to glorify or glamorize any past sin or depravity But we can never forget what we were outside of Christ. Paul didn't see it at the time. And he lists just some of his sins again. Blasphemer. It turns out that even his most righteous righteous efforts turned out to be a pile of dung, worthless, refuse. Refuse. but that's not what I am anymore. That's what I was. I was a wretched sinner under the wrath of God. But in his patience and in his mercy and through the Lord Jesus Christ, I am not what I was anymore. I've become a child of God. I've been forgiven of my sin. I'm not condemned I'm a new creature. I'm a follower of Christ. There's been a tremendous transformation by the grace of God. But it's important to notice this as well. That's what I was. I was saved by Christ. But I am the chief of sinners. If anyone understands salvation by grace alone, imputed righteousness of Christ, it's Paul. But Paul has a true estimation of himself, so he can look you in the face through his word, through God's word. I can look you in the face and say, I can tell you that I am the chief of sinners. I know my heart. And even though some of us may have our outward lives pretty well in order, and even though many of us can say, I left many wretched, clear, notorious sins in my past, I still know my heart. And I still know I'm the chief. I'm the best sinner I know. It's no boast. Our boast is in the grace of God towards sinners like us. So... So Paul has a realistic assessment of himself. That doesn't go away. In fact, I have seen it many times that the more mature a Christian becomes, the more they appreciate and understand the grace of God shown to them because they understand more the depths of their own sin. Not only what they were, but what they are in need of continual sanctification. But Paul, you're such a good guy now. Paul's response would be, I know myself better than anyone except for God. God knows me better than I know myself, but I know myself. Don't try to tell me I'm such a good guy. I still deal with this indwelling sin. If you don't believe that, look at Romans chapter 7. Paul understands that inward struggle, and he wonders how he'll be delivered from the body of sin, but he understands that it's through Christ Jesus. And declaring himself as the chief of sinners, he's saying to every sinner that even the chiefest of sinners can be saved. And here's how. through the abundant grace of God. Through the abundant grace of God. And that's the only way. Now, Paul's experience in many ways is unusual, but but don't think that he just met the Lord in a vacuum on the road to Damascus. The Lord was working on him. And if not before, immediately after, the real sense of, his sin came down upon him and he began to see how desperately he needed the atoning work of Jesus Christ, that mediator between him, a sinner, and a holy God. He began to see that very clearly. It's when he was confronted by the law, it's when he was confronted by Christ himself that he began to see was convicted of his sin through the word and the Holy Spirit that led him to godly sorrow, that led him to true repentance. To where he would boldly confess Jesus Christ as his Savior. When Paul writes this, he's speaking not only a true truth, he's speaking from his own experience. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe In your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Paul knew what that was. And we look at ourselves and we say, do we know what that is? Well, Paul is very clear that that was only possible through the abundant grace shown through the work of the lord jesus christ it's all in christ everything paul has to say everything the gospel has to say everything all of scripture has to say to us is that jesus christ came to save sinners there is redemption for sinners to be reconciled to a holy god it's what it's all about it's all about christ the savior paul isn't here to just tell his story he's to preach christ and so that wonderful statement, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He was called Jesus from the beginning. Was told to name, they were told to name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sin. Jesus' own words, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, I do not judge, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Sin is the assumption for all mankind. That's why it's so, so important to preach about sin. That's the problem with churches that won't talk about sin. There's no need to be saved. There's no need to change it's all good no we need to understand that we desperately needed the atonement of jesus christ to pay for to satisfy for our sin for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of god and so paul like every sinner can say Jesus came to save a wretch like me. Not just pretty words in a popular song that even unbelievers like to sing. No, it was to save a wretch like me. And so Paul could say, I am aware. I am fully aware of who I was. I am fully aware that were it not for the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ, I would still be under the wrath of God. Paul can say, I am aware that even though I'm a sinner saved by grace, I'm still a sinner. And I'm the best one I know. And that's what every true believer can say, too. I am aware. You know, there's a very subtle danger that we can get to the place in our lives where we can actually say, well, I'm a pretty good person. But up against the holiness of God, even the saintliest of saints is a wretched sinner. And with Paul, we can say, if God saved a wretched sinner like me, His grace is certainly sufficient to save any sinner. Go back to where we were last week. All of these are under the condemnation of the law. The lawless, the disobedient, the ungodly and sinners, the unholy and profane for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, Enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. All those kinds of people can be saved. I don't know about you, but I'm sad to say that I can look at each one of those commands and say that in some form or another, I'm guilty, was guilty. But I can also tell you that for every one of those categories, I know somebody who's been saved out of those very things by the powerful grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ well again make no mistake there's salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ it's full and free justified before God through the atoning blood of Jesus we still deal with that indwelling dwelling sin and Paul again, recognizes that. What I was, but here's who I am. He still sees himself as the chief of sinners, and he still sees the things he struggles with as sin. They're not character flaws. They're not mistakes. He sees his sin as sin. One of our women the other day was saying, "You can be in a Bible study or with other women, and one can say, and this is just an example. I, 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 blew up at my kid the other day. Just blew up at them, totally out of control. I think I sinned against my child. And then, what happens so often? Little pat on the shoulder. Bless your heart, honey. I do that all the time. It's okay." No, it's not OK. It's sin. And if you do that all the time, you need to repent. We need to call sin sin whatever it is. That's just one example, but sin is sin. Paul understands that he's still wrestling with sin. Again, look at Romans seven. And so he's aware of his past and he can't just forget his past, he still remembers those things, but we also need to understand this, and it's important that I finish with this, these thoughts, it's not just one thought, I'm not going to promise you, you'll be out here in a minute. He's aware of his past, which is really important. He's very aware that if it weren't for the grace of God through Christ. He would still be under the wrath of God, and he's very aware of his present struggle. But he cannot get bogged down in that. He can't keep looking at his past and saying, "Well, I'm worthless, even though I'm forgiven." I can't really move ahead, and I still struggle these sins, so I can't move ahead. No, Paul understands that he can't get bogged down. He can't allow even ongoing temptations to tangle him up. He needs to press forward in his faith in christ he's a new creation pressing on in the faith talk to somebody who has a wretched past who's done some wretched things and you might want to say to them how can you live with yourself how can you live with yourself? Doesn't your mind and your conscience haunt you? We don't forget. That's where we keep going back to the grace of God through the work of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of our sins that we truly are forgiven. And that he's working a great work in us, sanctifying us so that even though we're still dealing with sin, even in Christ, and even though we're still tempted left and right, And even though we fall, sometimes we can't let that entangle us to the point where we're unproductive in the Christian life and slogging around, wallowing in pity and wallowing in sin. No, we press on as Christ works in us. Paul says that of himself. He has to forget what was in the past. Imagine if he stayed in the past, how absolutely miserable he would be. But he has the joy of the Lord and he perseveres in the faith. And so we need to be forgiven of our our original sin in Adam. We need to be, be forgiven of our personal, actual sins. We need to be forgiven of our sins of the past. We need to know Christ. We need to understand indwelling sin and make sure that we're continually repenting of our indwelling sin and our struggles. remembering that we're saved by grace and we're live we're living by grace and will be kept by God's grace called to the service of the Lord one of the things that Paul is delighting in here is the fact that even though he was that he's been privileged to be now an apostle and he's encouraging Timothy even though Timothy comes from a radically different background than Paul and a radically different background than the ones that Paul mentioned earlier even Timothy needs to know that he needs to persevere resting on the grace of God empowered for the calling that he's called to but we all have a calling to serve Christ and if you've been saved by the grace of God from your wretched depravity And you're in Christ, you're called to serve him. And he'll grant you the grace and all that you need to serve him. He does not call people and then not equip them. The question is, are we pressing forward from what we were to what we are to what we're going to be in a fervent way for the kingdom of God? In service to the Lord. And so this grace... This offer of grace is to every sinner. Paul may have been an amazing sinner. He might have been the best sinner he knew. He might have been the worst sinner he knew. Paul also knew the amazing grace of God in his life. And the amazing way that God can transform even the chief of sinners. Sinners, great and small, need to that there's grace through the lord jesus christ you see it's everyone's concern the problem of sin is everyone's concern the question is have we seen our sin do we know what we've been saved from and who saved us and do we understand that our battle with sin is not going to be over until we step into glory but it's still sin but we have a redeemer. We have a redeemer. We press on in the faith. Salvation itself is a gift beyond words. Have you seen how desperately you needed it? Or maybe how desperately you need it? Do you appreciate the fact that grace has abounded to the chief of sinners, to the worst of sinners, to the best of sinners? through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul knew who saved him. Do you know? You're the only one who can save from sin. Paul knew, and I trust that you know too, no wonder he breaks into a doxology that I'm going to save for next time because it's a standalone. But after describing his own experience of grace to this wretched chief of sinners. He points to the one who saved him, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. But Lord our God, anyone in this room in Christ can truly say, if we've seen ourselves for who we are, that we are the chief of sinners. But we can also sing with confidence, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. And we can also confess that we have no hope outside of Christ for the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to you, the Holy God. Lord, each one of us also confesses that we struggle continually with indwelling sin, where we can sing with confidence, oh to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let that grace now, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. But Lord, we can also say with confidence that you are bringing us from glory to glory through your merciful work of grace in our lives, making us more like your Son, our Lord Jesus. But Lord, if any one of us in this room this morning has not seen our sin, and if we don't see our sin, O oh Lord, open our blinded eyes that we might see our desperate need that we might see the glorious savior and that we might then live our lives in gratitude to you all the days of our life we come to the name of our savior and lord jesus with the holy spirit amen our closing hymn is